And good morning. Welcome to another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptaw, C70, bad at C70 on Twitter with me. It's always Alan Medlock from Red Dirt Redbird, a Medlock one on Twitter. Um, before we get going too far, uh, I, by the by, this time, it's 200 and something episodes. You probably have figured out that Alan and I don't actually script the show at all. We just kind of hit the microphone and start talking. And so that means I forget things. Uh, if I don't do them first off. And I wanted to give a couple of shout outs. You know, we've got a lot of people that have been very supportive of our podcast. And I, you know, we all appreciate all that have been listening to us and, and sharing it. The listens are way up from last year, which was a record year. So we're really appreciative of all that. But a couple guys I wanted to mention. Um, first off, uh, we've got a guy, uh, we got Big Dave over there in England who's doing the St. Louis Cardinals UK podcast, uh, who's really good. And if you haven't listened to his, give it a listen. He's talking to some people over here. It's, it's really interesting to get a little bit of perspective from, from a, you know, a completely different country uh, and a country that doesn't necessarily have a strong baseball tradition to, to hear about that. So give him a listen. You can find him at Hayes Unit on Twitter, and I'm sure the links are, are all there. Uh, and then also uh, Richard McGill has been, uh, and he's told me he's starting, uh, he's thinking about doing some, some podcasting soon. And if he does, I'm really interested to see that he's got a little bit of a hook that I'm, I'm interested in. I'll let him continue to develop that. But uh, that's Richard McGill 89. And we appreciate both of y'all guys. Appreciate everybody. But just wanted to give that shout out because I'd usually do that at the end of the show. But by the time I get to the end of the show, I completely forget it. So that out of the way. Alan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, my friend. How are you? Doing fine and Perfect. you know, you know, after a, a what a five and one, six and one week. Uh, I guess five and one week since we recorded last. Uh, you can't argue too much. Cardinals win the series against the Brewers, and the only game they lose is that you know one to nothing, uh, you know, game that Corbin Burns and Adam Wainwright get up. I mean, you can't. That's just kind of one of those coin flip games. Sure. Um, you lose that one, but you win the next day. You sweep the Rockies, and then you go out to Arizona. And I gotta say. You know, going to Arizona, Arizona's not a really great team, but one, weird things always seem to happen yep, in Arizona. I agree. Right? And then two, this year, and it's really it's one of those weird things, and I think we've probably talked about it, it's probably been on the broadcast, I didn't listen to the broadcast last night, the Cardinals had not won the first game of a road trip all year long. I mean, no matter how much momentum they had going into it, no matter who they were playing, they always lost the first game of the road trip. Last night, they win, and... I just wonder, between all this, what we've seen the last two or three weeks, this team really feels like it has turned the, whatever corner it's going to turn, and it's going to be a force the rest of the way. 
Yeah, I agree with that. And it's, uh, I want to, you know, it's, it's one of those that we talked about last week, the oddities of, of cores and how things just seem to happen there. And you can kind of take the result, even losing, uh, you know, two of those three, if you come back and take care of business and, you know, you win the first two games of that series at home against Colorado and you think, okay, well, let's see what happens. And they just dominate the third game. That was the one that kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit, you know, with the scoring early, the crowd going nuts on the Albert uh, Grand Slam. You're thinking, okay, now you, you kind of feel like something may be happening. And then to go out last night and do it quickly with the Goldschmidt homer, uh, and Michaelis looking dominant, you kind of think now building that lead, you think, okay, now you, you, there's a little bit of blood in the water. And mm-hmm. if you can sustain any long losing streaks, that you're going to look pretty good. And with Wainwright, well, and to be honest, with Wainwright, Michaelis, and Montgomery, you feel pretty darn comfortable going on a long skid at this point. And, and yeah. things look pretty promising. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, the, the deals of the trade deadline – I've gotten a lot of play and they're, and they're fair. It's, it's very, very, very important. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing is, like you said, you don't feel like they're going to be a run where they're going to just struggle. Um, doesn't mean there won't be, you know, and there could be some games where the offense is shut down and they lose some, you know, two or three close pitching games. But, but yeah, if you think, you know, you go through that rotation, that whole, that whole rotation, you expect to win, I mean, if if you lost two or three of those games, I think it'd be kind of surprising, just because of the way the pitching has been. Um, I, I love the stat, and if it made up, I didn't see what happened last night, but I love the stat that was for yesterday that the the Yankees had won three games since the trade deadline, and Jordan Montgomery had, had won. Three <laughs> yeah, games since the yeah. Um, I think so far, and again, it's it's those first results, and you never know, but from what we've seen of him. This feels like, I mean, it really feels like a steal, right? I mean, this is like, I mean, I know that the Yankees have a really good pitching staff, but man, to be able to get a guy like this to come in, and this is so far over that, you know, scrap heap idea of last year, he's really been quite impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, every start, you know, and it was one of those that I felt like they were, I felt like it was the right move, but Ollie coming out to get him was kind of just extra precaution because he threw those, uh, um, because he threw the career high and pitches the you know the start before, and it was it was interesting because you could tell the competitor in him wanted to uh, wanted to stay, but there was just something about the manner that he left off the mound that was like knew that he was in good hands type situation. And I was I in in my my first thought was this is going to be a pretty good match, you know how him him making the uh, making the move over here. And yeah yeah you're right. I mean it's one of those like. Right now, it's easy to beat them up for trades just because Ozuna can't stay out of trouble. Mm. You know that's that one's going to blow up in their face a little bit, but this one could be a gold mine if it stays like this. Definitely could be. Do you think we'll see? I mean, Cardinals have him under control for next year, but it feels like. And again, sometimes you get a little bit concerned because we've seen this before. Yeah, where somebody comes out makes a great impression, then the Cardinals sign them, and it's not so good. But it feels like maybe this is the guy that they're going to really talk to in the offseason about extending him a little bit because um, they're going to need somebody, I think, with with experience, but also that really competitive Adam Wainwright bulldog mentality. And that kind of feels like maybe Montgomery's got that. So you think they'll try to extend him over the offseason? They're so thorough. 
in the way that they make these moves that I think that any move they make to bring these guys in, I always feel like extensions are on the table or a possibility. I guess it would be a better word for it in that uh, if things play out well, as patient as they are, they probably won't jump to it. But I do feel like that any of these moves are always based on the future, you know, and it's instead of the, the immediate need plus the future, like Mo talks about. And I would think that that's probably a possibility. If not, this offseason, but potentially the next one, just to kind of lock it up, just to make it, just to get him in. But I, I always feel like those moves are made with uh, with the uh, long term in, in sight. Well, after the next the next one, he'll be a free agent. That's true because yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometime that may be right. And if he gets to the free agent market, then that's whole yes, we know totally yeah. different story. Especially if he has a season last next year as he's had. <laughs> well, right yeah. I mean, time just gets away from me. I, it, it, it's amazing that it's 22. You know, I know that sounds crazy <laughs> since we're in August, but I was just like, well, you know, 23 seems so far away. Yeah, it does. I agree. Um, it, it doesn't seem like that's possible. And yeah, I mean, now Montgomery can, and he's a pitcher in a very good ballpark. Obviously we know this, um, the difference between Yankee stadium and Bush stadium is, is significant. Um, but yeah, I kind of feel like the Cardinals would like to see him stick around, and it may be mutual, and it may not be. He may say, "Hey, I mean, he seems to like St. Louis. Don't get me wrong, but it's also one of those things that I'm going to hit the free agent market. We'll find out." But I, I would not be opposed. I don't think. And again, it's three starts. You know, we've seen disastrous contracts come out after just a handful of games, so you don't you don't want to get too over overwhelmed, but. Um, from all and all signs are that this is a guy that the Cardinals would like to keep around for some time. And I, I yeah. feel like so far, as you said, he kind of fits that Cardinal mold of, you know, but, but adding that swing and miss yeah, that, you know, he is really, he, I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked, but it feels like he's struck out more in his starts than we've seen in quite some time out of a Cardinal pitcher. Yeah. 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 That's uh yeah, he's been impressive, and it's it's one of those that he has a couple of like big big moments of runners on, one out, and striking out two and three. You know, one of those things that we haven't seen as much. You know, we've seen that out of Wainwright quite a bit. You you've seen it out of Michaelis a little bit, but Michaelis is more the ground ball type. You know what I mean? When he's on, he wears out the dirt. You know, kills the grass. It, but Montgomery has been impressive because just you can circle two or three situations where they were in trouble and he got strikeouts for the second, third out of the inning, which is yeah, – that those things are, the, are incredibly impressive, especially at Bush. Yeah, that place was going nuts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it was kind of interesting. We saw that also last night, uh, not as a starter, but you just saying that with runners on and the strikeouts. You know, Jordan Hicks comes in last night. And yeah. A couple of hits, but then – you know, and it was a five to one game, so it's like, okay, if he gives up a run, it's no big deal. Um, as long as he can, you know, contain it. The problem was those two hits came with nobody out. But yeah, and then struck out the last two guys to to strand the runners. And you know, that you love the pitch to contact because I think, you know, double plays are good and you know, the defense that the Cardinals have means the ground balls are are going to get pretty much gonna get uh, an out especially if they're hit toward the corners. Um, but, you know, having that ability to strike somebody out um, is is huge. And and it's nice to see the Cardinals start to, uh, 
prioritize that in some of what they're looking for. Yeah, that, that's. I'm glad you brought that up, just because Hicks makes me nervous. Hicks and Gallegos right now are are, are spots that I'm a little concerned about. But if we get uh, if they can get Hicks to look like he did last night at times, he, that's going to be a weapon. And you just kind of wonder how close to healthy he may be. That's always one of my concerns. Like we always worry about production with Michaelis, but then when you come out and find out he was healthy, but boy, boy he's pretty dang tough. So you wonder if that may be some of the situation with Hicks at this point, or that could be just looking at the bright side. I don't know, but that that would be a big weapon if he pitched like he did last night. It does still feel like, and I, again, I haven't done the numbers, and there's a situation earlier this week that kind of disproved and proved it. The it feels like Jordan Hicks goes two innings, you got a problem. If Jordan Hicks that first inning is always going to be good, the second inning is kind of iffy. Uh, now this week, I guess it was against Colorado. He, he got the first two outs of that second inning and he gave up a number that barely got barely got a hit uh, and then gave up another hit and the end had to, had to leave the game but you know it oh, was was very close to pitching to yeah clean inning so maybe that's developing but it always feels like the Cardinals when they push him a little bit farther outside of that one inning it becomes a little dicey yeah I guess it's sure I guess it uh, this probably your this this point of view probably depends on your opinion of uh, Rick Horton, but I will tell you that Horton mentions that regularly on the radio broadcast, that uh, his his two-inning extended stays are where he typically gets in trouble. And I've heard him say that maybe even the last three Sundays, that situation, you know, one of those deals. So there has to be some kind of truth behind it, I would think. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Like I said, I haven't – I'm terrible at pitchers numbers, pitching numbers anyway. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I would think so. I think that he, he's pretty deadly in the one inning, but, but may struggle in the extended stays, but, you know, kind of, kind of the same thing we saw us with the starter experiment too. Yeah. Yeah. It, and you know, if, if he can get to that strikeout, right. And be pretty consistent in that one inning, then you've got a possibility. I mean, nobody's displacing Ryan Helsley anytime soon, but you've got a guy that you can use if you can't use Helsley or in the eighth inning or something like that, you could start to develop that because you're right. Right now, the bullpen is a little bit hit or miss. Um, we've seen that Henesis Cabrera, we saw him struggle in Colorado and then his game this week, he pitched in the big blowout and started, he walked, I think a couple guys, but actually got, had a scoreless frame. If I remember right. Um, so, but still, that's the situation. They're still trying to get him right. Um, Packy Naughton, as much as I hate to talk about the patron picture of the blog, has it seems like the mystique around him maybe has struck a little bit. He's given up a few more runs, and we don't. And to be fair, we don't see a lot of these guys very often, right? Because the starters are going six or seven innings. We're not seeing a Packy Naughton three or four times a week. We're not seeing uh you know, Chris Stratton two or three times a week, you know, these guys aren't pitching necessarily. I mean, it doesn't feel like to me, and maybe I'm missing it, but I haven't looked at the numbers. It doesn't feel like these guys are pitching on a regular basis, which is not a bad thing uh, unless you're them, I guess maybe, but, um, <laughs> but it's just those starters go so deep that you only need one or two different guys. And Ollie Marmol is pretty good about, you know, if, he, if there's a game he wants to win and Ryan Helsley will pitch two innings and yeah. then 
have to worry about it. Well, and you know, a safety net for them has become Palante as well. They, uh, you know, he's one that uh, on short starts, he gets the ball pretty quickly and he's been really effective that he was one of those guys that I was afraid was going to kind of uh, get the Woodford treatment to where he would kind of struggle out of the bullpen, but he seemed to have pitched pretty well. So he's got several multi-inning stints so far and he's kind of bailed them out in a couple of spots. So that's, that has cut up a lot of the short inning appearances. And uh, I don't, I, you know what? I, I honestly, I don't have anything pulled up. So you tell me. I just feel like Cabrera has not pitched much since the spike ball incident. Uh, he, I know we talked about it, and I'll pull it up real quick, but I know I think we talked about that last week. Yeah, we so. did. It, you could be, I think you kind of disproved my theory a little bit, but it was just, yeah, yeah. it was all star break was in there, and yeah, that, but I think you're right. And, um, let me pull this up, game logs. It's, you know, he pitched, okay, that was the 15th. So he pitched the 29th and the 30th, but then he pitched the 4th, the 6th, then the 11th, then the 18th. So, you know, it's kind of space. I mean, there's, you're talking four or five days between the outings most of the time. And they've been, you know, they've been hit or miss. That one in Colorado was really bad. Um, but he's got, a you know, two or three, you know, scoreless frames in here too. So Yeah, don't – I guess this goes without saying, but – now we can kind of start looking maybe a little bit past the regular season. Don't you have to have a good Cabrera to compete just because he's so lethal? It surely helps. It no. definitely helps. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I, that really, I mean, to be able to bring in a effective left-hander out of the bullpen, it's going to be huge. Um, and a guy with the strikeout stuff that he has. So yeah, I mean, they've got to get him at least, where they're like 75% comfortable that he's going to have a good outing. You know, I mean, it, it may not, it may go bad on them, but I mean, there's, I think that you have to, unless, you know, we see some amazing stuff out of Jojo Romero this week. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that we're going to see much of Jojo Romero in the next Yeah. Game. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's really, that is really key. I think, I mean, cause you're right. I mean, it's a little bit different. This is going to be a little bit different, right? This postseason because we're dealing with a DH, and you're not going to have those things where you're going to, you know, pull the starter early necessarily because you've got to hit, you know, a hitting situation. So it'll be interesting to see how long the starters go. But yeah, you're going to need you're going to need a solid bullpen to get those last days because most of the playoff games are going to be one or two run games, probably yeah. right. Oh yeah, so um, you're going to need Hicks, you're going to need Cabrera, and you're going to need Gallegos. And you're right, Gallegos is a uh, is another question mark right now. Um, it seems to have you know that shelf life of relievers is very you know two or three years. And it's starting to feel like maybe he's cutting starting to get to the end of of his because he's still effective at times, but. I feel really dicey with him coming in on a one-run game. No, I, I agree. I agree. And it's uh, just like we've talked about for five years, just the the fluctuation of bullpens. You know, you, you, uh, you take them when you get them, but you know that it's going to implode at one point. I don't think it's to that point with him, but, I, you know, even as close as last year, we knew that he was pretty pretty darn near automatic. And, you know, you just, you just don't feel that way. And that's a little troublesome. The, the bullpen gives me a little bit of, of uh, 
of uh, acid and acid reflux a little bit. Uh, and that, that concerns me because you just think that that's just so pivotal in any short series, potentially say the Mets or a Dodgers type situation, you know, and that's, uh, um, yeah, it's a little troubling. So I hope that that kind of figures itself out a little bit. I mean, we can't argue with the results, but it's still, that's one of those spots that seems a little weak right now. And I'm not so certain if we, if I didn't, that's not totally opposite of what I thought that it would be to start the season. Yeah, I will say, I'm just kind of looking through a little bit of, of Gallegos' splits here. Um, and just, you know, without without context or anything like that, um, he's got a 519 ERA in eight games if he pitches with no rest. So, you know, that's easily the worst, and it kind of gets better after, after that if you want to look at ERA. And then that could be, again, you're talking eight and less than nine innings. It could be one big blow-up game in there that I don't, you know, without looking at it, but... You know, that kind of thing looks like, okay, as long as he didn't pitch on back-to-back games, you know, maybe he's okay. Here's the weird one, though. <clears throat> I was looking for something else, but here's the the weird one you, I don't think you would, I would expect at least. Um, on, at home, he's 1-4 and four with a 468 ERA. On the road, he's 1-1 one and one with a 140 ERA. <laughs> um, you know, usually, usually it's the other way around. Yeah. You know, stadium. And he's pitched for at home, but. Um, so maybe, you know, and some of this stuff is, is recency bias. It's, it's remembering the games that are bad and not necessarily. The games very true. Very true. Great. But it does feel like, you know, I, I, I want to look, I'm pretty sure he's given up more home runs this year than, uh, let's see. Well, no, he's given up five. He gave up six last year. He gave up up nine in 2019. So it's, that's not even that bad. It just, I, I, you know, I think it's. He's still effective. He's just, yeah, he's just not the slam dunk that he was maybe a year or two ago. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure maybe somebody will, will come along here, but you know, I'm mean, looking at this. His strikeouts per nine is better than last year. His walks for nine is right on the same pace as last year. Yeah, I mean, his home runs for nine is a little up, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's something about it. His, um, but he's probably not as he's probably not as bad as we continue to think he is. Um, but it's still, again, we're we're kind. Of, it, 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 it fails the comparison with Hel- Ryan Helsley, who is pretty much automatic and strike everybody out. Yeah. Yeah, everybody looks bad when you put him up against Ryan Helsley. Yeah, yeah, this stuff, and maybe that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those numbers are a little bit promising in that uh, it uh, it. It makes you feel good the faith that they have in him, you know, and and maybe that's not such a black hole that I kind of thought it was. So we'll see how it works, and then uh, you know, because if you have Gallegos and uh, and uh, uh, Cabrera pitching to how they can, I mean, that's that's going to be tough. I mean, you can shorten yeah. games up real quickly with Helsley. Yep. Yeah, and and you can feel. I know there's extra. You know, there's not as many extra games, extra days to built in this year, right? We saw the postseason schedule come out and. Like there's no, they took out a travel day in like the NLCS, I think. Um, there's not that second travel day wow. or whatever. So there's, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit more yeah. day to my day instead of, you know, play a couple games, get an off day. So you may need a guy, you may need somebody that can pitch because they're not going to pitch healthily on back-to-back days if they can help it, I think, um, as much as possible. Even in the postseason, they're going to try to get away from that if they can. Um, so you're going to need the guys like Gallegos and Hicks and stuff to be effective. And of course, you know, again, 
we want to one i want to say that i feel like we're doing this on saturday morning and now that i've said that gallegos isn't that bad i worry about what he's going to do tonight yeah Um, you know if this may sound pretty stupid uh by tomorrow morning but we'll see but also i mean we're we're talking about the playoffs we're talking about postseason we can't i don't feel like you can put that in stone yet right i mean but you're up four games on the brewers you're um, trending in the right direction. Um, and like we said, you don't see a, an extended loss going with this team with the pitching that they have and the team that's, and two MVP candidates in there. I mean, again, you're not necessarily printing the playoff tickets yet, but you feel you got to feel pretty good about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, more. Yes, I agree. I mean, I just. You feel like I know this sounds silly because when it's if, let's just say Milwaukee had a seven game lead, the first thing I would say was, "Hey, that's a week of good games." You know, mm-hmm. you can make a you play well for a week, they play poorly for a week, and you could flip that. On the other hand, I'm gonna be like, "Okay, this is more than a weekend series now." You know, with a four game lead, so things with you know what was last night game one nineteen, one eighteen, something along those lines. Yeah. Now you kind of see the finish line, and you kind of figure out what team you are. And the fact that you may have the MVP, you know, the you 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 feel pretty good with things moving forward, and the fact that you have three fifths of the rotation that's going to be tough to beat in an extended stretch. Um, yeah, I feel pretty confident about it now. I I mean, I know we're it. I know we're this is probably going off the rails a little bit. Two huge moves up the Cardinals, Montgomery, of course, and Hader taking the wind out of the sails in Milwaukee. And well, that looks like that is probably going to be a pretty good move because Milwaukee may have known something that others didn't because he's been terrible in San Diego. I cannot help but think that does not help the the, the Cardinals clubhouse when that deal was made. At the time, definitely, I think did. I think Milwaukee's kind of rallied from that. I mean, we saw them split with the Dodgers this week. Um, I feel like they're kind of starting to come to terms with that. And you wonder. I mean, you're right. You saw that Hater blew up for the Padres again last night. You know, would they be worse off if they kept Hater? Um, you know, are we going to want by the end of the year? We're going to wish they had kept him. I, I don't know, um, but yeah, I, I mean, the 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 kicker is, it's and it's it's so hard for me to imagine this, but if that's the way this NL Central is going right now, and the rest of the league is going, um, you know, if you don't win the NL Central, you probably don't make the playoffs. I mean, you because right now. Milwaukee sits one game out of the wild card, um, and we're talking about expanded wild cards and stuff. They're still still out of it um, by one game, so there's a good chance if you don't win the division, you don't make the playoffs. Which is, I don't going into this season, I don't think I expected. I kind of mentally thought, okay, it's going to be you know the winners of each division and probably the second place team from each division. Knew it wouldn't necessarily be that way, but you kind of thought that. It's not the case. Um, and I think it's going to be, I mean, that, that wild card race could be kind of something to keep an eye on, but hopefully the Cardinals don't have to worry about it. Um, I didn't want to mention the Cardinals are one, two, three. They're fourth in the National League in run uh, differential. So that that helps too. I mean, they're, they're plus 101, Milwaukee's plus 32. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I feel like, and we've said it all year, we feel like the Cardinals are a better team. And now that they're ahead of the Brewers, I, I have trouble seeing the Brewers catch up, especially when right now there's only four games left with the Brewers to play. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's funny. I was looking at that last weekend. We haven't seen the run differential like this in a long time. I mean, we you know in the past few years we're teetering right around that level playing field, and it's uh, it's nice to see. Then it, it kind of solidifies how how good we thought they were, which is promising. And you know, you, when you have two superstars, it makes a big difference. You know, that's we yeah. we know that, and that this is what it feels like. Um, the Pujols rebirth is pretty crazy too, and it's going to, probably going to overshadow how good a year Gore, or, uh, Goldschmidt and uh, and Arenado are having, which is, I, I'll take it. You know, one of those type of situations. But yeah, it's very promising. Coming down the stretch, you feel like they may be playing their best baseball, and and I know we we said that last year, but they kind of ran out of gas after the winning streak. But uh, you feel pretty good about any series right now, and and that that's exciting. And I'm not so certain that I felt that way maybe even a month ago. Yeah, and the the softer schedule on the other, on the other side of this helps too. I mean, we've talked about it before, but you know, playing you know the Cardinals have the three game set with Arizona, the followed up by a five game set with the Cubs. Um, they'll have six or nine games left with the Pirates. Um, they have another series with the Cubs. They have games with the Reds, who are look completely different now yeah. uh, after the trade deadline and with Joey Votto's surgery. Um, you have to. I'm not. I'm not 100% sure you could name an active, an active <laughs> right now. Um, at least I couldn't, I don't think. So um, that that all helps. I mean, again, baseball's baseball, and, and teams fall apart and teams collapse. And, you know, you're talking, you, we're talking about, you know, if somebody, if there's a key injury, I mean, that's bad, you know, who knows. But right now, you'd much rather be where the Cardinals are than, than a lot of other teams. And that's, that's a good thing. Now, Let's talk a little bit about this offense because you're right. There's the two MVPs. There's Albert Pujols. And, you know, I wonder if we think the offense is better than it is because of those guys. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Um, because well, let's talk about the positives first because I don't want to get better. Albert Pujols is insane. Um, what? Is it three, four home runs this week? Uh, definitely three. Um, at 690 for his career. I still don't think he can get to 700, but it's not as impossible as I thought it was at the beginning of the year. What do you think? You know, I agree. I agree with that. And it's, uh, I mean, boy, it, they were commenting last night on the radio when I was on my way home about how at one point this year he was teetering around 100 and is, has really just kind of, uh, you know, sparked things around and, and uh, it, it, what he's doing at Bush is is incredible, and that that's <laughs> and this is coming from a guy that really worried about how this signing was going to play out. <laughs> you know what I mean? I kind of look stupid at this point. So uh, so yeah, I mean it's it's crazy that it that where he is now. You start kind of wondering. I mean, hey, as close as you are to this uh, to you know to history, <laughs> you I, I mean how how, much, how serious of a run can he make at this seven hundred? I kind of feel like, you know, look, it's obvious that a lot of his season is fueled by left-handed pitching, right? Yeah. I mean, if if it wasn't Albert Pujols, I don't think Ali Marmol pinch hits there. Yeah. Yes, in that game against Colorado. But I think it was like, okay, it's Albert, it's a lefty, and we're already up six, so let's give him some shots at – getting home runs and he get one, which is great. Um, this year, I'm looking at the splits and everybody knows um, 
left-handed. He's slashing 358, 404, 691. He has seven of his home runs in 94 plate appearances. Righty, he's, he's slashing 179, 281, 313, and has four home runs and 112 plate appearances. It doesn't feel like he's going to get – I mean, we saw him DH last night, and I get that he's taking maybe taking some better bats against righties, but it feels like the home runs are going to come off the of lefties. I just don't know if he's going to see enough left-handers between now and the end of the year to do yeah, 10 more. That's I'm just hoping point. he can get – what seven more and pass a rod? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah. not because it's a rod, but just that puts him what fourth all time. Yeah, um, I make it pretty I personal. Mean, well, <laughs> 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 yeah, we'll we'll move on, but yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that the signing has worked, kind of probably like Mo expected it probably worked better than Mo expected it to because as much as the club said he's here because he can play and that's true we talked about it right he can still hit lefties um you know that's if it was some other 42 year old um that could hit lefties they probably wouldn't have necessarily made that move um but yeah this has been this has been crazy and it's been it's been a lot of fun and I mean you get a game like you get that game on Thursday, where Albert hits the grand slam, Wainwright goes what seven scores. <laughs> yeah, Molina throws out a runner. I mean, that's just. I mean, if you want your nostalgia, there you go, right there. That's that's a that's a throwback game, and it it's been fun. I mean, I know it's going to be weird next year not having. I mean, not as weird not having Albert, but just the fact that he's retired, not having Molina, perhaps not having Wainwright. I'm still. I, I still don't know what I think about that, but um, but to be able to have this season and have these kind of moments with these kind of guys is is it's just incredible. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's uh, and it just seems like Molina coming back healthy really looks a lot like, looks a lot better. You know, as much as I wanted to uh, to downplay the uh, um, the rehab assignment and whatnot, there probably was more to the story than that. Um, but he's come back and he's played. I mean, three hits last night. You know, it's one of those, it's just, man, he's productive right now. And he's shown that he's productive with rest. And it's, uh, right now is impressive. And the nostalgia just kind of trumps everything. And it, it, this was the best case scenario, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's been fun. And, and you're right. Molina, it's been better. I still think, I mean, I don't, I feel like Kisner was starting to hit. And now that he's getting the days off. It's we don't see it as much. I mean, I think he's maybe losing a little bit. Um, we'll see. I mean, he's not playing much again because it's Yachty. Um, but so and that's that's still a that catcher situation is going to be really interesting to talk about in this offseason. But so you've got the you got the two MVP guys who I mean, it would be very it'd be ironic. It'd be kind of crazy if they went one two in MVP, but they almost could. Uh, I know there's other candidates and they, and the, they'll probably split votes and stuff like that and, and wouldn't win. But, um, but then, I mean, you expected Tyler O'Neill to be part of this and they continue to talk about, you know, I, I know after he got, if he got hit by the pitch and won the game, there was a lot of, of talking about Tyler O'Neill getting back to form or something like that, which I didn't quite necessarily tie that to, but it still feels like, and I'm going to pull the game logs up while I'm talking here, but, 
I haven't necessarily seen any kind of consistent production out of O'Neill, especially since this last, uh, he returned from this last injured stint, right? And, you know, that's, they really, really need that. Yeah, yeah, that's, you keep thinking, man, if he gets going, it's going to be lethal. You know, it's one of those, and they've, they've kept their head above water. I mean, I get it, but it's, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know what to expect. You know, it's one of those that last year was just, you know, a stratosphere production, you know, toward right. the end of the year. And now you just know, you wonder if that's the outlier. I mean, he did, he does have that potential power, but, you know, still seems to struggle. So I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I like how they're using him right now. You can tell they're trying to get him going uh, by the spots in the lineup and how they're moving around the lineup. That's probably something we need to talk about too, is how productive Marmol has been with the lineups and how different yeah. it's been in the past few years. But, uh, but yeah, they're trying to get him going and, I just hope for the best, you know, and it's it, it and that that kind of worries me about the long term um, outlook for O'Neill too. Yeah, I think that's you know, I say you know they took that little gap there at the end of the month. He took like three or four days off, right? It missed, and since he's come back from that, the club's twelve and three, which is great. Yeah, but he's hitting two oh eight, uh, thirteen strikeouts in fifty four plate appearances, a couple home runs. Um, you know, it's just, you know, he had two hits in the Colorado game on Thursday. Um, but and he had a couple of, you know, he, in fact, he had, you know, two hits in another car against, he, he just needs to play the Rockies. Apparently he's done pretty well against them. Um, there are games where he has those moments, right. And, but there just seem to be few and far between. And I don't want to say he, he's not the automatic out that we've seen out of some players at all, yeah. but. And you're right. Marmol continues to try to find the right spot for him, whether it's hitting him second, whether it's hitting him sixth, you know, whatever it is, he continues to try to find it. Um, and I think that that's probably going to happen. Now, you know, I don't, I don't see a situation assuming he's healthy that he's not out there every day, right? That he's trying, they're trying to find him. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not certain. I mean, that that's one of those things where, I mean, that's where it's kind of nice to have, really nice to have Donovan. And, and yeah. actually nice to have Dickerson at this point, just because you have a little more depth, which I do think has made a big difference with them this year, especially Donovan. I mean, that's he's been very impressive. And I know that has slowed down other than the first half of the season, but he's been really good. But, yeah, it's 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 one of those they have their spots, or, and they have their lineup. They have to figure out what, uh, what they're going to do with it, but there are options, so – it's curious to see how they're going to handle, you know, those transitions. And you know what? Here's another thing I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. We thought Newbar was kind of one of those 4A players at this point, and he might be. But I do think you have to look at the fact that they've kind of taken off with him in the lineup a little bit. Because I'm not so certain that I didn't expect them to take maybe a step back without Bader, but that just hadn't been the case. Yeah, you're right. Um, the – you know, we saw a good new bar, kind of a good new bar last year, right? And we thought, okay. And then he struggles this year, and we thought, okay, you're right, quad A player, going to contribute. But it he seems to have found something, and and you're right, that energy is obviously they've talked about it. Um, that yeah, it kind of replaces that Bader energy to some degree. Um, I you know he's a he's an interesting player for sure. Let's see what. Um, Cause it just, it, 
I agree. I, you know, he, he gets a little bit docked. I mean, he gets a little bit of bonus because of the name. He gets docked a little bit because people think he's just a fun name or something. Yeah. But second half, 265, uh, OPS of 867. He's got, you know, a couple of runs. Of course, he has the two, the two game, the two triple game in there. Um, and he's walked more than he struck out. And I think that's the big thing. He's just not a guy that, you know, he can, he can get on base and he's made some good plays in the outfield. So, I mean, could you upgrade from Lars Newtbar? Yes, you could if you needed to. But having a guy like that on your team is is huge. Yeah, I mean, for someone that has yeah that has been that that productive crowd favorite, you know, you're right. It's the name that kind of gets the uh, gets the uh, attention in the first but first. But he's he's crazy athletic. That's one thing that that impresses me about him, and he just brings an energy to the lineup, and I and I that's big for me. Yeah. Now he's a guy that I can see the Cardinals getting two or three good years out of. And then as he becomes arbitration eligible or starts to get free agency or it'd be, you know, then that's when, sure. you know, things don't work out or he gets, you know, his window may be small in the major leagues. But well, yeah. And that's one of those, the intangibles mean more to the Cardinals than they will anywhere else. You know, they're not going to pay over, you know, over cost for it. Right. Right. I mean, he's never going to be, you know, but it's, you need those kind of guys that I don't want to say are organizational filler. Cause they're more than that. They're obviously, but they're, they're, you know, second, you know, second tier, third tier players that can, that can help the team. It can strengthen the thing that raise the floor of the team, if nothing else. Um, but they're also kind of guys that, yeah, they tend to turn out and you'll get, you know, it may be new bar, this year, maybe next year, then after that, maybe it's Alec Burleson or something like that. And and Burleson may be a little bit more talented to, than that, but still. Um, but for right now, yeah, he's he's really big, and it's like I said, he's not just uh, one dimensional. He's not just out there because he's got energy or whatever. He's he's really contributing, and I, I don't. Sure. I think earlier in the year it was like, okay, he's coming up you don't really expect anything, but now even when he's hitting ninth and they've hit him there quite a bit, you know, he, he will burn some people and on a fairly regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh yeah, he's done it. He's had some big hits and it's uh it's, it's nice to see. And yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's awesome when you can turn a gold glover into such a big, uh, big piece of your rotation, which was a need, but has become mm-hmm. a bonus and be able to, to uh, not take a step back in the outfield. And it's, and I feel like Newmar is a big part of that. Well, and the fact that Carlson has become a, a, a darn good center fielder too, but, but yeah, I mean, it, I, Newmar is very important to this team and I think that gets overlooked quite a bit. Yeah. I, yeah. Thank you. The, the Carlson part is, is really interesting. I mean, I don't know if Carlson didn't look like he could cover center. Do you think they still make that trade and just, you know, deal with it or find a, because they, I mean, I don't know if I guess they've played New Bar and Center before, haven't they? Mm, yeah, I think so. I would, I would assume so. I can't think off the top of my head, but yeah, I wonder if they would still have made that move because of the upgrade that they would need with Montgomery. Um, and I wonder if they would have made that move if Bader had been healthy too. I, I think they would have. I think they would have made it even if they weren't. If even if. Carlson played just a competent center field instead of a above average center field at yeah. times. Um, Cause I think Montgomery is that much of an upgrade. I think they would have done it even if Harrison Bader was having his normal season. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. That The contracts kind of point to the fact that that was probably going to happen. Uh, they, you know, like you and I had talked about off the air, that uh, there may have been more to the story on Vader as well, you know, because that's the last thing we thought he'd be called out on is hustle, you know, cause yeah. which what got him here. And, you know, that may have played a part as well. But, I mean, that's just to get a need and to get a need better than what they had last year, I feel like that was probably the way that they were going to go and they were going to figure it out after that. I say that, but, you know, as thorough as they are, that was they, there's probably a thousand check marks that they had to go through. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they don't do anything spur of the moment or anything like that. But given what Montgomery's done so far and the talk that the club had and the fact that they weren't shopping Bader, right? I mean, from all indications, the Yankees came to them and said, hey, what about this deal? And they kind of jumped on it before the Yankees changed their mind. Um, But I think it it would have been interesting not only to see that trade if it happens with a healthy baiter, but the reaction to that trade, if there's a healthy baiter, right? Cause I think the fan base was, you know, when you're on the injured list, it's a little bit out of sight, out of mind. And it was still surprising to see Bader gone, but it might've been a little bit more uh, passionate had he been still on the field and, and playing at a normal baiter, right? Yeah. Just cause it's easy to forget about some of these guys, you know? So yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah. So like I said, we've, you've, You've got the good guys. You've got the the middle guys like Donovan and and uh, Newt Bar, but you've got the and you got the guys that are struggling. And you've got O'Neill, Dylan Carlson feels like a guy that's doing that too. And then we talk about Paul DeYoung and Paul DeYoung. You know, I've seen a lot of tweets about Paul DeYoung, and, and this is over, and this is definitely not working. And I think there's some degree that's fair. I mean, the last four or five games, you know, what he struck out what 11 times in 15 plate appearances or something of that nature. He's over over the last five, but the 11 games before that in August, he was hitting 324. Um, he had his couple of home runs. He had his, you know, of course he had his big moments against the Yankees. I'm trying the young, is he, is he just going to be that kind of boomer bust kind of player? Is that it? Or is it a, you know, the league is kind of readjusted to him, and now we're going to see him struggle again. Gosh, I, you know what? I don't know. I, I, as a big a fan of DeYoung as I am, I just lose faith every time we go through one of these swings. And, uh, you know, it's 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 the strikeouts more than anything, you know, and the non-competitive at-bats like we talked about earlier uh, become those, you know, th- those homers become few and far between, you know, after the hot start that, that fit in well with what they were doing. But now it becomes troublesome, and you wonder how long that, that, that they're going to stay with it. So, um, you know, I don't know. I feel like this is the last chance as well. So it, it's tough to watch right now. I know that he's the whipping boy since Carpenter's been gone, but, you know, a, a, a lot of it is is deserved. Yeah, it is. And you're right. The strikeouts, are, I think that's the biggest part of, of this whole thing. He struck out 11 times in – the first 11 games of August, he struck out 11 times over the last five games, uh, including four last night. Um, that's that's hard to take, especially when, you know, this offense is, is producing enough that there's usually runners on for him, right? Um, to see a guy come up and you're just almost assured that he's going to strike out is, is hard to stomach. I mean, if you're putting the ball in play, you know, maybe there's some idea that, you know, those hits are going to come or the, at least he's not completely fooled, but he can look, he can look bad up there. And, you know, 
Paul DeYoung came back to the according to reports. And again, this is sometimes you say, is this true? And how much of this is kind of a narrative storytelling type of thing. But, you know, it came back to the majors a little bit more focused, a little more confident after, you know, kind of having a good success run in Memphis. Um, and again, started off well. You wonder if, you know, a stretch like this of 11 strikeouts and 15 or 16 at bats um, starts to get, you know, the negative thinking going again and starts that cycle downward to what we saw earlier in the year. I, I hope not. I hope it's just, you know, he's able to keep his, you know, you know, kind of a different focus and, you know, he may come out of it with two home runs tonight and that would be great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I completely agree. And in a ballpark like this, that that sometimes now I know with the roof closed, it's not as bad as it was, once was. The ball flying out, but you know you can hit two and buy him two more weeks. You know, you know what I mean by that. And I mean, it's it's one of those to where it's you know you just never know, especially with this power. But you know things just aren't trending in the right direction. No, and I can't because in part because Tommy Edmond is not hitting very yeah. much either. Right, I can't see that for the rest of the year that Paul DeYoung is at pretty much the starting shortstop. I mean, I think that's, I mean, not saying it's impossible, but you know, I, I think more often than not, you're going to see Paul DeYoung out there yeah. between now and the end of the year. But the, you know, I think the offseason discussion is going to be very interesting about what they do with the shortstop position. Um, if they do anything, which they may not, but the Cardinals don't have a lot of other places to work at. And, you know, they missed out on the big shortstop extravaganza from last year, but you still wonder if that's a place that they might not try to look to upgrade if 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 we're seeing another decline in Paul DeYoung. Yeah, no, I agree. And you wonder if it's also a situation where next year you feel like you're going to have to play Gorman and Donovan a lot and uh, maybe potentially just be Edmund, your everyday guy, with the hope that wins there ready within the year or two. You know, that's, yeah. uh, I could see something like that. I mean, yeah, I would think your hot shortstop market's going to start with Dansby Swanson next year, especially with the Braves having somebody up already that can play shortstop. But that's not a market I can I can see the Cardinals playing in, especially with Wynn potentially being a couple of years away. Well, that's true. And that's true. Yeah, it may be that they try to run a stop gap, especially if they do think that Wynn's there by 24. Um, they just run some some sort of stop gap, and maybe no. one stop guy is Paul DeYoung. Maybe that's just like okay, we can get enough out of everybody else, and um, you know, hopefully enough out of him. Without looking on my side, what is the contract parameters for DeYoung? Is next year the last year? No, I think he's got two are they, years. But are, are they vesting? Or are they options? I can't remember. It seemed like there was some movement that had to happen. Yeah, I think you're right. Let me see if I can. I've got that bookmarked in here somewhere. Um, I think you're right. It's two, maybe two option years at six million dollars each, or maybe. Um, which, if that's the case, it's almost hard not to pick that option up anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, Paul DeYoung. Uh, he's got it. Yeah, he's good for next year. So he's six million next year. Twenty-four and twenty-five are option years. Um, twenty-four is a twelve point five, and twenty-five is a fifteen. I think right now. Oh, at next year's $9 million. Sorry. So he does get a, a raise. I can't, it would be very surprising to see them pick up the options for 24 and 25. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I agree. Um, even at 12.5 at, you know, Paul DeYoung didn't have to do a whole lot to be worth 12.5 in today's market, but 
if you've got Mason Wynn coming up, who could probably do that much for league minimum, then probably never going to happen. Yeah. Um, and see, this is the thing. Uh, it, and there's a note here. It says, when this was signed, it was the largest ever contract for a player with less than one year of major league service time. We talked earlier about giving out contracts too early, trying you know, is, is this, I don't think this is a egregious one, but the last couple of years, it looked like it, right? I mean, and, and maybe so, I mean, it just really helped that they got good low money involved because if they had paid him much more than this, it would have been a, pretty much an albatross over the last couple of years yeah that's uh, i mean that's yeah no i completely agree that i mean that's you're talking about maybe hayward <laughs> you know what i mean type look yeah yeah i mean hayward had a lot more money but it would have been a similar type of situation yeah. you're Boy, right. that's a bad uh, situation isn't it yeah i mean isn't that kind of crazy that you tell a guy that you know you're not gonna play him the rest of the year and you're and you're gonna let him you know they're gonna cut him in the offseason I mean, to some degree, that's good because it kind of shows the respect they have for him and not to let him dangle out there or let it be a surprise. Um, and it sounds like it was a mutual decision. Uh, I can't imagine Jason Hayward. I mean, is somebody going to pick Jason Hayward? I know you don't have to pay the contract. Yeah. But even for league minimum, I don't know that Hayward's – I mean, maybe you get Hayward for some, like a backup outfielder or something nah. like that. But, I mean, that's a guy that just – I mean, I know I was totally wrong on. I felt – you know, the Cardinals really should, you know, should get him. And, and maybe, I mean, depending on your point of view, maybe it would have been worth $180 million to make sure the Cubs don't win the World Series. But probably no. not. Um, so, no, I know what you I mean. mean. I can really understand what you mean. D- there was even a conversation that you and I had, and you were like, well, for $180 million, you don't want to do it. But you do kind of wonder what he would have done in St. Louis where he wasn't. I, well, and I'm not so certain he wouldn't have been a focal point of the offense. I felt like they thought he could turn it around, and that would have been a disaster. But you do wonder what they could have paid him for him to be the plus defender in right field to clear up some of those issues that they had over the years. But it's one of those that I'm glad they stayed away from now, and I was in the wrong. You know, I wanted them to make that move as well, but just because I thought, well, he has huge upside and he's young. But, yeah, he's just never hit enough. You know, he I mean, he's hit well against the Cardinals at times, but not enough to be – I mean, they, they think, think about it. They thought about leading him off. You know, I mean, all yeah. kinds of stuff. Just, you know, just a disaster, really. Yeah. I mean, his his seven years in Chicago, he hit 245 at OPS of 700 um, and just 62 home runs in seven years. So – and 21 of those came in 19. Yeah. So, yeah, he's just – I mean, he, he, he's not even been hurt. I mean, this year he has been, but he played a, and he played 104 games last year, but most of the years he's playing 120, 130 games. I mean, he's playing a regular amount. And again, he's always going to be a Cubs legend because of that world series speech that he made. Um, and I guess for Cub fans, maybe that's all sure. worth it. But yeah, that's, uh, you know, he honestly, one of basically one of his best years was the year he had probably was his best year was the year he had in St. Louis, uh, except for home runs. But you know, overall, his overall numbers probably went right there was that that year in St. Louis was one of his best years. And if we had no, he thought you were going to be getting that for the next few years because yeah, he was so young. Yeah, and yeah, that was that was the high water mark. You're right. What you can't imagine that he had been any better in St. Louis just because of the ballpark, right? Because Wrigley's a much better ballpark to hit in, and that obviously didn't help him. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, uh, you know, it's one of those, they kind of had the same issues with him in Atlanta. You know, had one good year and kind of expected the yeah. best after that, and it just never happened. He came to St. Louis and did the same thing. And not to beat up the man, but, you know, the uh, where I thought the uh, positives of the defense would outweigh the negatives of the offense, that just didn't seem to happen. It didn't make that big of an issue. But, like I said, Cubs fans are probably happy with the one they got. Um, they're, they've had some historically bad contracts. I mean, you look at the Hayward contract, and you wonder how similar to – to uh, Soriano that was, you know, and that's, yeah. you know, tough for wonder, him, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> wonder, yeah, definitely. You wonder <laughs> if they didn't sign Hayward, would they have been able to keep some of that core together that they had to wind up trading on? Yeah. Um, at least one or two of those pieces. You wonder if they had, you know, if they had made a better signing, if they'd had with that core, you know, they were supposed to be a dynasty, if they'd actually been able to spend a little bit more of that instead of winning just the one. Um you never know. I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of different variables, interesting things to kind of you know, poke around at. But, you know, hopefully, you know, Hayward always seemed to be like a good guy and hopefully he'll find something. I mean, it's really surprising. He's only 32. I mean, he feels like, I mean, he's been around. Yeah, I agree. Like, yeah, I, feel, I, I was thinking, okay, he's 35, 36. It's the end of his career. He's 32. Yeah, he'll but, play next year. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's a good, I guess there's a good chance. I mean, even though. He struggled the last couple of years. I mean, his OPS plus over the last is 68 and 57 the last two years. Um, wow. You know, now 19, uh, 19, it was 100. Um, 2020, you can take that out. But so, yeah, he's he struggled for quite some time. But you're right. Somebody will get him if he wants to play. And I mean, he made enough money. He may not want to. But if he wants to play as a backup outfielder or, you know, something like that, I'm sure somebody will find a spot for him um, and hope that maybe they can catch a little bit of that early uh, MVP type of results out of him. But anyway, um, again, Cardinals in a good spot uh, this week. They've got, they've got to finish up this se- the series with the Diamondbacks. Then they have five with the Cubs making up one of those games from the beginning of the year. Um, so there's a double header on Tuesday. Uh, before they come home for the Braves, now the Braves series, of course, will be a little bit difficult. Um, of course, the Brewers are playing the Cubs this weekend, and then they get the Dodgers again next week. Um, <clears throat> you know, I hate to say this is where you make up, you know, make up the ground, blah blah blah, blah but because um, we saw that last week, you know, the the Brewers, you know, wound up holding their own against the Dodgers while the Cardinals were playing the Rockies, um, and then they go and lose to the Cubs yesterday. Wow, yeah, but. You got to feel like by the time you get to the Braves, you'd like to see the Cub, the Cardinals up what five six games at least, just to add a little bit, just continue to add to that lead, um, and and make it harder and harder on the Brewers. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And you, I still <laughs> any five game set in uh, Chicago always bothers me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you just never know. And not to say that they're going to lose ground. I just, I mean, I just, those are always tough. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But I, I'm fairly confident right now that they're going to make a little run and, and maybe and stretch this out a little bit. Um, they're playing really well. They, the Atlanta series in St. Louis is going to be a good litmus test of what they are because I think the Braves are really good. I think that they were maybe buried a little bit early in that division, but I think yeah. they're really good. So that will be interesting to see where they are. But uh, the next two weeks are going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, we saw the Cardinals and the, you know, they did play their, well, played with the Yankees. Of course, the Yankees have, have struggled 
since then. So maybe that wasn't as much of a, of a thing as we thought. So yeah. yeah, getting a chance against the Braves who are there's three and a half right now against behind the Mets and have played much better as of in the second half for sure. That's going to be a good test. That, but you're right. Any game against the Cubs, you kind of just it's that you know, the cliche of throwing all the records out the window. It's somewhat true. I mean, sure. It seems like you know you always those old games are always interesting and more difficult than they should be than what you would expect. Cardinals do have a doubleheader in that series. Who do you think takes the extra game? Do you think that's a Woodford game or, I mean, almost, I mean, kind of, I don't know what the other option is. Yeah. Yeah. That would make the most sense. I mean, I don't, at this point, just because Pallante has become so important to you in those middle of the late innings that I don't think you waste that. So I would think Woodford's up for that extended start. Yeah. Um, I don't mean, I guess they could pull somebody from the minors, but that I don't know who that would be. And that's yeah. not really the point. I mean, Woodford, Woodford really seems to be that, you know, pitcher under glass that we're seeing. Oh, yeah. I mean, cause I mean, we talked about it. We're not seeing a lot of the short guys very often. What are you going to do with a guy that you really want to throw two or three innings? Uh, when a starters are going six kind of at a minimum, um, it's hard to get, a guy like Woodford in there, even if they want to. And again, the usage of Woodford has been weird this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just, you always wonder where he fits into the plans. They seem to like him, but you're right. I mean, he's just, uh, just, just close enough, but not, not there. I don't know. It's kind of a weird way to put it. Yeah. I guess before we wrap up though, we should talk about the fact, um, Cardinals optioned Yepes to the minors yesterday. He's healthy. They're, they optioned him. I don't think that's a big deal, um, in part because rosters expand here in yeah. two weeks, and he'll probably come up with the end. But they're just, I mean, and we've said it before, Corey Dickerson's injury came at the right time because he was about, you know, I, I feel like he was on a about a day or two from being released. And now, I mean, between Dickerson and Newt Bard, there just was no place for Yepes in this lineup. I mean, you had almost had to send him down because I don't know who else you could have done it with. Sure, no, I agree with that. So when that move was made, I was like, that sounds like a rehab assignment for me. You know what I mean? With no time clock. So right. he's going to go down and hit, and hit, but we'll be back soon, you know, and uh, it, it made a little bit of sense. I mean, that, that got banned. I mean, that could be some punch to add when he gets up here, but for who, I don't know. Yeah, and how do you? Yeah, I mean, how do you use him? I mean, you yeah. got another body. And I think that's as somebody's mentioned. I don't remember one of the podcasts, either Cardinals Off Day or the talking about birds that I've listened to recently. You know, kind of point. This bench is strong. Yeah, um, this is a good bench, and adding Yepes only helps that. Um, and I don't know the last time you could say that about a Cardinal bench. It's been a while um, when you had pretty much every weapon off the bench had value. Um, yeah, it, it, I don't think that you could say that all that often. Um, the other side of that uh, other part of the injury issue is that Jack Flaherty has made what, I think two rehab starts. Now the last one looked really good as well. Um, he's supposed to make another one Sunday. He's basically on pace to be activated again when, when, um, rosters expand and probably pitch. Uh, I think, I think it gets the Cubs on the second of September is kind of what they're looking at right now. That's the way the calendar works out. Um, you know, again, it's hard to know what to expect out of Jack Flaherty, but if you could get, I mean, if you can get a reasonable Jack Flaherty, you bump Dakota Hudson out of your rotation, and this thing gets even better. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. That's I, and I wondered if that was just the most most likely move to make, and it seems like it is. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, if he's performing like he can, I mean, they're going to be pretty deadly. Yeah, I mean, it's to the point. If it's if it's a good deflarity, I mean, you look at that five man rotation. If you take out Hudson, and you're like, I'm not a hundred percent sure who you drop off. I mean, I guess it's Quintana. You know, because you're only going to probably need four starters in the playoffs. You know, and if you're dropping off a guy like Quintana, who's what giving up like two or three runs in his time in St. Louis, that's that's a good problem to have. Yeah, no, yeah, I completely agree. That's uh, they 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 could have a very very lethal five, and that's uh, that they'll have this, the decisions would need to be made. That's that's exciting to know that that we're that, that close and feeling that confident about that. Yeah, yeah, it is good. So we'll see. If the Cardinals can add to this and, and uh, you know, keep this era of good feelings going this week, um, and hopefully they can at least, you know, take care of business in Wrigley Field because it's always good to beat the Cubs. So, uh, anyway, Alan and I will be back with you next week to talk about it. So, until then, for Alan, I'm Daniel. Good night. Good night.